before I introduce Julian, um, I know I might said in passing a little bit earlier about uh, God wanting to not just speak to us as individuals, but do something in our churches today. Um, I, I just felt such a strong sense of worship. I know I'm taking a bit of your time now. No, I'm okay with this for a moment. Um, I'd just love to pray for those of you who are in leadership in your local church. And you may call it an elder or a pastor, or you may have some other label. I'm not really bothered what the label is, but if you're in some form of leadership in your local church, can you stand for a moment? And I'd like to pray very quickly that God does something not just in you now, but in the church that you represent and in the people that you care for and serve. It may be a, a small group leader or an elder. Uh, I don't remind really what the label is, but if you've got some level of leadership responsibility, I just want to pray for you now that God will do something not just in you, but in those that you care for and lead. Let's, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you that you want to impact us today. Lord, thank you that you've called us to this place. Thank you that you want to do a work in our hearts. But Lord, more than that, we want to pray now for the churches we represent. God, we pray for those who lead and serve in those churches. Thank you for those who are standing. And we pray, oh God, that you do something today, not just in them, but in the churches that they lead, the people that they serve, the areas responsibility that you have given them. Lord God, I want to pray right now at the outset of our day that there will be a deposit that you put in them that is not just for them, but goes further in the churches and those that they serve. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Do take your seats. Well, it really is a great joy to have Julian Adams with us. Once again, Julian's a good friend of ours in Jubilee, and uh, we've had him with us, it must have been about 18 months ago, something like that, wasn't it? And uh, that was a great time. Uh, God really broke in and spoke to us. Uh, and we thought, let's do it again, but let's open it up to the wider body of Christ. And uh, we're so thrilled that you're here today. And uh, we know others are joining us this evening for the evening celebration. You can still invite people during the day if you like to get, get, get here tonight as well. There's plenty of opportunity and space for that. Julian is now based in Bedford at the King's Arms Church and travels not just in the UK uh, but internationally. Uh, speaking on God's heart and things that are prophetic and uh, encouraging and training individuals and churches in those things. So we're thrilled that you're with us today. I know you brought some of your team with you. I guess you'll introduce them at the right time. But let's welcome Julian now. Fantastic. It is such a joy to be here. I am very expecting that God is going to meet with us with us uh, this weekend, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, your expectation is God's invitation. Your expectation is God's invitation. How many of you know that God loves faith? The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God, and He loves it when people come with great expectancy for Him to meet with us. God is a speaking, talking, loving Father, and uh, today I trust that he's going to meet with many people and encourage you. Uh, my aim is at the end of this afternoon, all of you will be able to hear God's voice, move in words of knowledge, pray for the sick, and see signs and wonders as a normal part of your life. 
Well, I'm glad one of you are happy. I hope the rest of you can get happy too. Um, I'm expecting we get to travel. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have a ministry called Frequency Trust, which is a trust that uh, was established uh, two years ago to help facilitate prophetic ministry, to help facilitate raising up of prophetic ministries in local churches and uh, we get to travel across the nation seeing God do some amazing things and uh, to the team that helps serve is here with us. I often say this um, to start, um, we've got quite an international team and it starts off a bit like a joke, we have a Dutchman, a Frenchman and a South African. Um, you got to know there's going to be a problem. Um, and uh, Marco over here is from uh, the Netherlands and uh, he has been serving alongside of me just helping facilitate uh, a lot of the stuff that we're doing as frequency is growing and influence is growing for us. And uh, he's an amazing guy with um, a real anointing to bring joy. Don't be surprised if he comes and lays hands on you. And uh, Marco's an atmosphere changer. Whenever he is in a room, people get happy. And uh, so... If he looks a little bit inebriated, it is because he is inebriated in the Holy Spirit. You're right. You've got a discerning gift right there. Um, but it's also because he just loves the Father and he's had a real revelation that it is all finished. Christ has paid the price. And we get to live in that. So if you, if you need some joy, if you need a good injection of Holy Spirit joy, get Marco to pray for you. Um, he's great at it. And then Nathaniel is interning with me. Nathaniel is from uh, France and uh, he's an amazing young man with an emerging prophetic gift and uh, is traveling with me for the year just to help shape and unlock that gift and uh, we trust that as he leaves this year he's going to be involved in loads of things that will influence the nation of France to the glory of God. Uh, if you hang out with uh, Nathaniel, you'll get to find out that he's a load of fun. Um, but not only that, he's very intuitive and uh, will pray right into the heart of God for you. Uh, so these guys might be ministering around. In fact, if you, how many of you have never, ever received a prophetic word? Put up your hand. You've never received one. Marco, put your hand up. <laughs> at the end of this, uh, sometime today, grab these two guys. They'll prophesy over you for free. Um, so just grab on and say, I believe you can pro- only if you've never had a prophetic word, okay? If you've had one, they'll know. Um, so only if you've not had a prophetic word, please uh, get to them. They'd love to pray with you and bless you. Um, I just want to quickly uh, do one or two things before I get into uh, what I believe God's got for us. I've just written a book called Gaining Heaven's Perspective. It is phenomenally brilliant. Um, seriously though, it is really out of my own life experience and journey with God. Um, this really is more than just about the technique of prophecy. It's about the heart of prophecy. Getting to know who your father is, getting to love on him, getting to enjoy him. Um, I, I had the, one of the greatest compliments uh, came from Terry Virgo. He said, when I read your book, I had to pause just to fall in love with Jesus again and again. And uh, I want to encourage you, this is only eight pounds. I mean, that is just amazing bargain. It's cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. It's eight pound nine pence on Amazon. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's cheaper. Um, 
I, I want to encourage it's not because I think I'm a brilliant writer, but because it's really practical, it's easy. Um, I, um, I'm very theological, but this is not a theological expose on the, on the prophetic. This is just a practical hands-on, how to move in the prophetic, how to flow in the prophetic, and how it can become a natural part of your day. How many of you know God's, God's natural is supernatural? And that should be our natural too. Um, and so I encourage you to do that. If you're on Facebook, please like us. Uh, just go to Frequency Trust and you'll see us. Be really good. At the back there's some books. Uh, I encourage you, they're not loads of books, so please uh, uh, get there quick and uh, buy some. I trust that uh, God will bless you through it. Um, aren't you glad God is good? I'm really happy that God is good. One of the greatest things that you can do is join in what heaven is doing. And the Bible says that um, God right now is laughing at his enemies. How many of you are facing really difficult circumstances in your life at the moment? Maybe some things you feel like, do you know what, I don't know how I'm going to break through this. Well, I want to give you a key to victory. It's celebrating the goodness of God. And I'm going to get into teaching around the supernatural in a moment, but I just felt like God wanted to bring us into a place of enjoying Him before we do anything. I can tell people it's a lot easier to preach to inebriated people filled with the Holy Spirit because that deals with all the doubt and skepticism and unbelief, doesn't it? I'm going to carry on. And... Um, you know, when, when, when Esther is wanting to expose the enemy and she's thinking, how do I plan how to expose the enemy? Do you know what she does? She throws a dinner party and has a whole lot of wine. And in the context of that, the enemy is exposed and the kingdom of God is advanced. One of the key ways that you can grow, one of the key ways that you can flow, one of the key ways that you can enjoy the kingdom of heaven is by learning to live in a place of perpetual joy. Do you know joy is very important? Do you know it's one of the most important commodities that we have as a Christian? Joy is so important that Jesus died and endured the cross because of it. There's great purpose in joy. And by the way, joy is supposed to move your face. <laughs> Just to underscore that joy is both emotional and it is a decision, Jesus uses the word blessed. Do you know what the word blessed means? Extremely happy. In fact, one translation says extremely bliss-filled and blissful. The Christian's life is supposed to be Marked by the bliss of heaven. I'll just let that settle for a moment. You're supposed to look very happy, be very happy, act very happy. I'm on a mission to reclaim happy clappy as an expression of church. Because for too long the church has looked like it's been baptized in lemon juice. And people have come into meetings and they found a bunch of people who are more miserable than they are. By the way, the recession, you know, is a lie. Heaven's not in one, so why participate in this one? I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're, you're, 
you're, you're about to hit. But I felt God say, I want you to start this meeting off by getting people to drink in great buckets full of joy. And so I want you just to maybe close your eyes, lift up your hands, and forget that you're in a Christian meeting right now. And pretend like you're really in the presence of God, because you are. Forget all of the religious expectation that you might have. I hate religion. I smell religion and I'm a bull, like a bull in a china shop. I just can't stand it. I want you just to come and enjoy Him. That's what you were created for. (laughs) Just come and enjoy Him. There you go. Have some more. Lord, we want to join what you are doing and your word says that you are perpetually happy. (laughs) You're the happiest person I know, Lord. You laugh at your enemies because you are large and in charge. You're not nervous in any way. And so right now I want to start off this meeting. I want to start off this weekend Lord, by releasing huge buckets full of joy, would you come and touch many people, Lord? Would you come right now and pour out the kind of joy that moves our faces and our hearts? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. More, Lord. More, Lord. More of you right now. You might be asking why they're laughing. That's because they're getting happy. That's why they're laughing. (laughs) If you're not laughing, it might help to laugh at someone else because it really is quite funny. Don't get all religious on us now. You might say, why? Why happiness? Why laughter? Because they need it. That's why. Lord, I ask you for more right now. Increase your presence all over this place. We break depression right now. We break depression of people right now. Thank you that you're a happy God. These are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning. They're just filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his companions. Who says you have to wait for the altar call at the end of the meeting to receive? You get to enjoy him right now. Help them, Lord Jesus, help them.
Bless your people, Lord. If you're sensing the Holy Spirit on you, whether it's in joy or in another way, maybe peace, whatever it is, you don't have to laugh, I know that. We all know that. But God's touching people. But if you sensing His presence on you, just right now, physically, quickly stand where you are. There's going to be a deluge of power right now. We're talking about supernatural encounters. And God wants to unlock some more right now. <laughs> We're just blessing what God's already doing, alright? I'm starting with God's starting. And He's touching people right now. That's where we're going to go. At the end of today, many of you are going to receive. Not just your people standing. Some of you are getting healed right now. We're going to see some healing right from get-go. Lift your brother. The power of God is all over you. Boom. Get him, Lord. More of you. Father, I pray for every person standing under the sound of my voice. Right now, we release a deluge of your glory, your joy, and your power. Now. Right now. Increase your presence. If you bless someone who's standing, put your hand upon them and say, Get them, Lord. Get them. Get Dave, Lord. Right now, in Jesus' name. Increase your presence all over the place. Woo! Get him, Lord. Drunk, 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 Lord. Whoa! Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Who's the person who's been having a left frozen shoulder? If you begin to move your shoulder, you'll find that you're already healed. You've got a problem in your left shoulder and it's caused mobility problems. You might be sitting down, you might not be standing. If you begin to move, you'll find that you are already healed. And if, if that is you, quickly put up your hand. Just begin to move. It's, I think it's a left shoulder condition. Just begin to move it. And if you know the pain is gone and you're doing good, wave your hand at me. Is that that lady over there? Is that you? Is that you? How's that doing? How's that shoulder doing? Was there pain before? Stand up quickly. God's healing you right now. Now just begin to move it just a little bit and see if the pain is gone. How does that feel? Loose? Yeah, God's doing that. Be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> we, we didn't even have to pray for that one. Look at that. Somebody right now, if you put your, your finger on your, I think it's your left ear, you'll find that the ringing in the ear has just stopped. Come Holy Spirit right now. Who's that person? I think you've got tinnitus or something to do with your left ear. Who's that person? Just wave your hand at me. God's going to, what's happening? Can you test it up by knowing? It was ringing and it stopped ringing. Yay God, look at that. 
Father, I ask you today that everything we do will be saturated in joy. In the gooey, yummy goodness of heaven. In Jesus' name. Let's applaud Jesus, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're going to sit down, go ahead and do that. Permission is granted for you to uh, overindulge in the Holy Spirit. Do you know, you can never get too much of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we don't just get a double portion of the Holy Spirit. We get the Spirit without measure. That means we get as much as we want of Holy Spirit. Amen, Julian. That's a good point. I tell you what, it's so much fun doing the stuff of Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. <laughs> so I'm giving you permission to drink. I'm giving you permission to enjoy God. My teaching is secondary to you encountering God. Alright, we want you to encounter God today. Because you'll get more done in a moment with God than I could do with 10 or 20 hours of counseling of you. Alright? And so I want to you, stay open on the Godward side. One of the key things that I've learned about moving in the things of the Spirit is starting where God is starting and being grateful for what He is doing, not what He's not doing. So I've learned how to celebrate what God is doing. Because in the context of gratitude, there's always increase. Jesus thanked God for some fish and some bread and it multiplied. Gratitude produced the platform for multi- multiplication. And, and so today, what we're going to do is we're going to learn to celebrate. And there are a few ground rules for days like these. Can I give you some of them? I'm not legalistic anyway, but if you don't obey these, you'll be out the door. In the <laughs> Here's the one thing. is We're going to worship unashamedly, extravagantly, without holding anything back. Can we make a deal that we're going to do that? Right? So each time we come together and we worship, it's not like a little prelude to the preach. It is the point of the day. Worship is for God, to God, and only He deserves the glory. Amen? Can we make a deal that we are going to be extravagant? The second thing we're going to make a deal on is we're going to create a context where we will celebrate what God's doing, not with a golf clap. You know what a golf clap is? Ooh, jolly good show. Well done. Great shot, Lord Jesus. Amazing. We're not doing golf claps. We're going to do what I call uh, um, crazy praise. All right, we're going to stand up, shout, applaud, thank Jesus for what he's doing. So we've just had a woman with a shoulder condition get loosened, a gentleman with tinnitus, the ringing has stopped. We're going to celebrate what God is doing. Do you want to quickly celebrate that? I want to just hear You guys have got it. You've got it. So we're going to celebrate the goodness of God. Yes, also what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the victory that someone else has, even if we've not not got our own victory yet. Because one of the keys I've found to walking into your personal victory is to celebrate others' victory as if it's your own. Can you do that? So when someone else gets the very thing that you want, <laughs> can you celebrate like you just got it? Alright? Because it will be a key to help unlock. 
And then the last thing is we're going to create a, a context or a culture of honor. Now, honor works like this. God is the only one who has glory and honor and who deserves glory and honor. Amen? Yet God in His kindness has put glory and honor in you because you're a reflector of who He is. That's why we can worship Him and say we give you honor, we give you glory. It's not because we have it, it's because we are a reflector of His glory that He's put in us, therefore we can worship Him with what He has given us. Isn't that incredible? Even worship is determined by God. And what we're going to do is that because we are all image bearers of a good God, we're going to celebrate one another and honor one another as though we're image bearers of God. That means when we step out in gifts of the Holy Spirit a little bit later, when we do practical stuff, when we step out in words of knowledge or whatever it is that we're going to do, we honor people before they've even done what they need to do and celebrate them irrespective of the outcome of their performance. Did you get that? It means that, you see, I don't relate to Nathaniel on the basis of his, of his performance. I relate to Nathaniel on the fact that he's an image bearer of the Most High God. Therefore, his performance is secondary and his value is of profound importance to me. And so we're going to say in our church, the King's Arms, when people get up to make announcements, people stand up, applaud, cheer and whoopee before they even make the announcements. Because we celebrate the person irrespective of how good or how bad he or she's going to be at the announcements. And honor, the Bible says that when you honor someone, you get a reward. And because most of us haven't learned how to honor people, we miss the Spirit of God in that person. You know, you might have, in fact you do have, someone sitting next to you who is power-packed, full of glory, and they might have the key or a word that's going to unlock your destiny. But because you're familiar with them, or because you know them, you do not expect it from them, and therefore you do not honor what God's put in them. That's what happened to Jesus. We know this kid. He's one of ours. Isn't he? He's the son of Mary. His brothers and sisters are in this congregation. Who does he think he is? And the Bible says Jesus could do no mighty work in his own hometown, because of a lack of honor. And so we're going we're gonna to create a context where we honor one another, where we believe the best, where we actually trust that the person next to us could have the key that God has for us. All right? Listen, some of you might find my packaging offensive. I don't know how, but you might. I'm South African, I'm rude, and I'm... No, I'm joking. I'm not that rude, I don't think. Um, but I might not be the packaging you used to. But you know what? God's put something in me that you need. And God's put something in you that I need. And so we're going to honor one another. That's the ground rules for today. Is that alright? Does that make sense? I want you to turn very quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. We want to just quickly get right into some foundations very quickly. Um, oh, the other thing is, in, in each session year after, we're going to have testimony time. Um, because testimonies give permission for other people to encounter what God has done in you. The Bible says that we're to worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
When you tell the story of what Jesus is doing, there is prophetic power for that thing to happen again in someone else's life. And so we're going to have lots of storytelling because we want to be authentic and we want to be real. Amen? So a little bit later we'll get some testimonies and I'll guide you into how that's going to work. Matthew chapter 16, I want to just lay a quick foundation for a lifestyle of the kingdom, for a lifestyle of signs and wonders, and for more importantly a lifestyle of revelation. That uh, I'm going to use the word revelation interchangeably with the word prophecy, because really prophecy is a revelation from the Father to us, concerning us or concerning someone else, that we're called to bring in order to shape their lives and in order to release them into destiny. And so I'm going to use those words interchangeably, and, and so just be aware of that. But I want, to lay a per, I want to lay a foundation of how we get there, of what we're called to do, and what it means for us to live in the ongoing, unhindered access of an open heaven. Do you know that the heavens are open? Help me, Jesus. I'm a closet Pentecostal. Actually, I'm not closet Pentecostal. I'm out, I'm out the closet. I'm a crazy Pentecostal. I love the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend. Any Pentecostals, can I get an amen, please? Um, so you're allowed to say whoopee, amen, yay God. That's a really good point, Julian. Um, well, just help me a little bit, all right? I'm teasing. I know the English are quiet when they are listening, so it's okay. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And what I want to do is I want to unpack the scripture pretty much for all of today. And a lot of what we're going to do is going to come out of this particular text. We know that Jesus uh, comes to earth as a fulfillment of prophetic promise. We know that, don't we? Throughout the Old Testament, in particular the book of Isaiah, we see some incredible prophetic words that speak about the, the one who would come who would uh, restore the kingdom to Israel. Amen? And, and the nation of Israel at this time, in the book of Luke in particular, says that they were in expectation for the Christ to come. There, there was a sense of holy expectation. Somehow, somewhere along the line, the Christ is going to come and it could happen any moment, any time. And there were, there were rumors of the prophetic word, particularly now that John the Baptist, who was um, uh, um, born to Elizabeth under some incredible supernatural encounters with Zechariah in the temple, there was this thing about John the Baptist who was, was preparing the way and they knew, hold on, we, we know something is about to happen. They were living in expectation for Jesus. They were living in expectation for the Christ. And they knew that this one, the Christ, would come and he would turn everything on its head. 
that all things would be changed, that the government of this world would be changed, that the prisoner would go free, those who were, were, were locked up in, in unjust ways will get set free. They knew that justice would finally come. And that those who've been treated unfairly, those who've paid too much tax or whatever the case might be, would all be sorted out. In fact, they knew that this one who would come, the Christ, would come with a government of peace. And so we see in Isaiah in chapter uh, 9, I think it is, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it talks about his name shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Emmanuel, God with us. It talks about on him will rest a government, and this government will be a government of shalom, a government of peace. Now, shalom in the Bible is not simply um, the absence of warfare. Peace in the Bible doesn't just mean there's no conflict. Peace in the Bible is far richer, far more beautiful than that. Some commentators talk about the concept of peace or the concept of shalom as being expressed in the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what it means to be in shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than a mere peace of mind or ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, peace or shalom means a universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which the natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Don't you like that? When the peace of God, the governing peace of God comes to the earth, things are put back together the way that God always intended it to be. Now, how many of you know that God's original intent is still His intent? In the Garden of Eden, He created a context where heaven and earth were undivided and were in perfect harmony. And Adam and Eve lived in perfect relationship with Heavenly Papa. And in the cool of the day, they got to walk and hang out with one another. And in this context, the Father says to Adam and Eve, I want you to take this piece of heaven and earth that works together in perfect harmony, and I want you to cover the rest of the unbridled, unformed earth with my glory. He wanted the Garden of Eden to cover the whole earth. Now, how many of you know that that mandate is still true for us? Because in the person of Jesus, for the first time, heaven and earth, for the first time since the Garden of Eden, heaven and earth met perfectly in one person. And he said, now I want you to go and cover the earth with the glory. The same commission, when Jesus died and said, it is finished, He was not simply referring to the fact that you and I are now justified. He was referring to the fact that new creation, those who now had access to heaven and were living on earth, could now cover the earth with his glory. He was referring to that day when the Father sat down and said, This is good. It is finished. Isn't that wonderful? And so God's original intent is still his intent. And Jesus comes as the one who inaugurates this, this in radical kingdom, this, this kingdom that is so counterculture, so subversive, so changing, it turns everything on its head. Nothing looks the same after Jesus is around. And they were expecting this one called the Christ. 
Now, Christ is not the surname of Jesus. Just so you know. Christ was a title given to authenticate the one on whom the Spirit would rest and remain. You see, up until this point, the prophets of old would have lived praying, God, would you rend the heavens and come down? And, and, and would you touch people? Would you fill people? And they would talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon people. And what they meant was very simply this, that the Holy Spirit... We often think of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, don't we, like a cloak or a mantle coming upon us. In the Old Testament, when it spoke about the Holy Spirit resting or clothing himself, clothing himself with uh, David, for example, or, or um, uh, Samson, for example, what he was saying was that we are like this coat. There's nothing much to us. There's no substance to us. And what the Holy Spirit would do under the Old Covenant for a prophet, a priest, a king, and a donkey, um, and that was it, for a moment, he would come and take us, we would be the coat, and he would clothe himself with those people so they could walk in incredible power and incredible anointing for a season. And he would come and rest, or he would come and touch them, and then he'd lift off of them. No one ever had the indwelling, remaining presence of the Holy Spirit for life. It was only for a season. And this one, the Christ, the Bible speaks in Isaiah chapter 11, that on him would rest and remain the sevenfold Spirit of God. And so we see the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of the knowledge of the Lord and of the fear of the Lord would rest and remain, that word remain is the word tabernacle. It means that he moved in and that there was space made for him. Okay, that's what it means to tabernacle, that this Holy Spirit would come and rest upon this one. And this Holy Spirit would come with what's called the charisma or the Christ anointing. That's where we get the word anointing, it means charisma, it means to be smeared and covered full. Now, in South Africa, we have a thing called a braai. Now, a braai is really cool in that we have, it's kind of like what you guys have, a barbecue, except we have real meat. <laughs> None of these pork banners rubbish. We have filet, all right? And what we do with this is we chrisma that filet. We smear it. We anoint it. We baptize it. We cover it, we marinate it. These are all words describing the function of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, actually. Do you know that the word baptizo is found in ancient recipes, which means to pickle or marinate? We need a few more pickled people in the Holy Spirit. And what will happen is, we will take this meat and we will smear it, and we'll cover it with some olive oil, dash of red wine, forgive me if you don't drink wine, God bless you, and some, some garlic and some nice uh, dash of rosemary, and uh, we would cover it, we would smear it, some of you know what I'm talking about right now, and then we let it marinate, we let it get anointed overnight, so that that which is around the meat gets into the flesh of the meat. That's what it means when it 
talk about the Christ anointing, the anointed one and his anointing. It means the one who is smeared, covered, pickled, marinated, baptized in the person of the Holy Spirit, so that that which is around him is also on the inside of him. So that his flesh becomes supernaturally anointed to do extraordinary things. How many of you know Jesus didn't do a single miracle as God, he did it as the Son of Man? Although he was fully God and fully man, the miracles he did, he did submitted to the person of the Holy Spirit to model a life of the supernatural for you and I. And so when the Bible talks about the Christ here, it's not talking about simply Jesus being a nice guy. It's talking about the one on whom the Spirit would rest. And the Christ anointing is not a doing anointing, it is a being anointing. You see, for many of us, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, we only talk about Him in the context of doing something. How many of you have noticed that many of us pray like this, Oh Lord God, Sovereign King of Heaven and Earth, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we're amazed at how you died for us. Thank you for making us part of the family. Holy Spirit, will you give us more power to do? But how many of you know that whenever you read the epistles, that the founding uh, principle, the foundational principle of the work of the Holy Spirit is not about your mission, it is about your being the very sons of God, the very daughters of God. And so the Holy Spirit comes to identify and to resonate within us that we are Abba's children and can now cry out, Abba, Father. He's not come to make us do more, he's come to make us be more. And the revelation that Peter gets in this context is a revelation that Jesus has been anointed by the charisma, the Christ anointing. And that because he's anointed with the Christ anointing, he is the Son of God. John the Baptist had the same revelation. He said, I would not have known that he, Jesus, my cousin, was the Son of God, lest I saw the Holy Spirit descend and remain, tabernacle, moving. The one who came and, and rested, he said, I know that the one on whom the Spirit rested, this is he, the Christ, the Son of God. Now you might say, Julian, that's fantastic and great exegesis so far, but what's the point of the Christ anointing? Here's the point. In the very same way that Jesus' sonship was authenticated by the coming of the Spirit, is in the very same way that you and my sonship in God is authenticated. The way we know that we are the sons and daughters of God is that the Holy Spirit rests and remains on us. Help me, Jesus, I'm going to unpack this because you need to get this. The same empowering force, person, beautiful person that the Holy Spirit is, that caused Jesus to turn the Middle East upside down, is the same empowering person who dwells on you and in you today. We're talking about signs and wonders, and you know what Jesus says? He says, this is the foundation of the church. He says, Peter, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock I will build my church. He's not talking about Peter as a person. 
He's talking about the revelation of the coming of the Spirit upon the sons of men. Because we don't build church according to pragmatism rules and principles out of the latest you know, business manual. We build it by the, by the Spirit. The foundation of the church is based upon the Christ anointing. Upon Jesus and His anointing. That's why you are called Christians, Christians, little anointed ones. Shika Bazooka, you should shout a good amen at that point. <laughs> you are little anointed ones. You carry the same anointing power, authority that even Jesus did. The revelation that Peter gets is not a functional revelation, it's a relational revelation. Jesus doesn't go, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Lord God Almighty who is in heaven has revealed this to you. He says, my Father, who is in heaven, reveals this to you. This whole text in Matthew 16 is about sonship. And about a Father who anoints people. And he says, now that's how I'm going to build the church. Jesus, the Son of God, became the Son of Man, so that he could lead the sons of man to become the sons of God. That's the point of this text. The foundation of the way we build church is by the Spirit, by the anointing, the charisma, the Christ that comes upon ordinary flesh. So the church turns the world upside down. It's why you're the head and not the tail. It's why you're in Christ. And that means you're not some loser sinner anymore. No, no, no. You are the very Son of God. You are not a sinner, you are a saint. Your whole identity has been reorientated, changed, completely made brand new, so that you can now identify with all that Jesus is, because what's true of your older brother Jesus is now true of you. I refuse to sing songs about my old nature. Such a wretch, so bad. I'm so no, I'm not. There's a whole lot of good in me, by the way. <laughs> You're not a loser. You're not pathetic. You're empowered by the very same Spirit that took the dead body of Jesus and made it alive on the third day. That's who lives inside of you. That's who rests upon you. It is the same anointing that rested upon Jesus that's on you right now. And it comes as a sonship anointing. I love this. You see, the primary reason Jesus came to die was not so that your sins can be forgiven. The primary reason Jesus came to die was so that you could be restored to relationship with the Father. And do you know what? Whew, this is going to get you going. If this doesn't get you going, I'm going to give up. You now occupy the same place that Jesus does in Trinitarian intimacy. Because you're in Him. You're in Christ. You're not sitting next door to Jesus. You're in Christ. So the same position He holds in the Trinity is the same position you now hold. Come on, you've got to get excited about that. 
was teaching, I was teaching this very same thing in Ireland, and uh, there was this lady in front. I've never seen anyone do an Irish jig before, but she got up off her chair, started clapping, going "woo, woo," and sort of doing this little jig up and down, and then sat down and got back up again and said, "That's just too good, woo," and did another jig. Here's the incredible truth of who you now are in Christ. Is that because he's anointed as the foundational rock of the church, as the Son of God, we now are anointed. Because we're in him. The Bible says that we're mystically joined to him. It says that in Christ I died. In Christ I was resurrected. In Christ I ascended. In Christ I was glorified. In Christ, I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, so that as He is in, as He is, so are we in this world. You see, we can't talk about dim signs and wonders until you get sonship sorted. <laughs> we can't talk about moving in revelation because the primary revelation comes from Father. It's a relational revelation. He pulls out his spirit upon his own son to demonstrate his incredible approval and love. And do you know when he does that? He doesn't do that at the end of Jesus' life. He does it at the beginning of his ministry before he's done anything significant. You get the glory, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the anointing before you even do anything for Him. Just because you're a son, just because you're a daughter, He says, I take pleasure in this one. And it's not based on your performance, it's not based on your law keeping, it's not based on how good or how bad you are, it's based on the fact that He's decided to love you. I mean, that is just way cool. You might be saying, children, it sounds so elementary. Absolutely. Most of the church, if they understood the elementary principle of sonship, that Papa is really happy with them. And Papa's not grumpy, waiting to smite them, waiting to test them. Some people go to me, oh, the Lord has sent this to test me, as if God will test you to sin. The Bible says that if you think that way, you're calling him evil. Do you know God's desire is to lead you away from sin? That's why Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation. If he can provide your daily bread, he can lead you not into temptation too. He's a good father. And you know what happens when you get this revelation? Because Simon is Simon until after he gets a revelation from the father and then he becomes Peter a rock. You see, what happens is not only do you get a revelation about the fact of who Christ is in the person of Jesus, when you begin to understand that the Holy Spirit comes upon us, but you get a revelation of who you now are. You see, Simon was a bit of a, a footing mouth. Simon Peter was a bit of a footing mouth kind of guy. I can identify with Simon Peter. I often say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I can identify with him. He's like, gung-ho, yes, I'll get out the boat and halfway through think, what on earth am I doing? And begin sinking. I can identify with this guy who says, never, Lord, we won't send you to the cross. And you know, Jesus says, oh, here's a, little, here's a little revelation. Jesus says to Simon after this, just a few moments later in this text, Simon says to him, Simon, or Peter says to him, 
You won't go to the cross. You will not allow that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For your mind is set on the things of man and not on the things of God. Do you know that Jesus equates man's wisdom to satanic inspiration? I'll leave that one hanging in the air. But before he gets this revelation, he's Simon. After he gets this revelation, he's a rock. When you begin to get a revelation of who the Father is and how he has anointed you, everything about your life begins to change. I have got no qualifications. I have got no degrees. I've got nothing that sets me apart to be qualified for any kind of ministry except the fact that I'm a son. And today, if I don't bring one correct word of knowledge, if I don't bring one correct prophetic word, if I make a mess up of all the preachers, if there are no miracles that happen today, when I leave this building, I'm a son. And whether or not you like it, like exactly! That's the point right there. Live example. Who cares who's watching? I'm a son. And when daddy's around, I get to do whatever. And a woman, I was teaching on this in uh, one of profound testimonies, and it's going to seem very simple, but it's very profound for this woman. She grew up in a home with a military dad, and the only place she was allowed to play in her house was in her room, and even then it had to be superbly kept clean and no mess was allowed. And uh, she never ever got keys to the front door, even as a young teenager, as a as kind of 18-year-old, she never got keys to the front door because her dad would be the only one who would control the coming in and going out. Kids were meant to be um, seen and not heard in their family. She grew up in the sterile environment and I began to teach about our free access into the kingdom of heaven. I began to teach about our free access into the rooms of God, which I'll maybe talk a little bit about later. Do you know that heaven has many rooms and that where Jesus is, you may be also? And that's not talking about the day you die, it's talking about a present reality. And uh, I was teaching on this and she found herself in this very grandiose room in her mind's eye while she was encountering God, it was beautiful. And there was a box of crayons and the Lord said, Go ahead, scribble on the walls, I don't mind. <laughs> and her whole life and her whole view of God changed. God set her free from massive depression as a result. He's a good dad and he wants to reveal himself to you. That's how we build church. You see, I... Help us, Jesus. Elders, their job is not to lead you. (laughs) Some of you are going, really? No, 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 no. I believe in the leadership gift. Trust me, I do. Their job is to create an opportunity or facilitate a context where you get to enjoy the Father's love for yourself. You get to hear His voice for yourself. I'm trying to work myself out of a job. Second best is getting a word from a prophet. (laughs) The goal of Christianity is the undiluted, sweet access you have with the Father so you can hear His voice every single day of your life. 
See, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the Christ anointing in us. The Christ anointing is firstly about being the Son of God. Secondly, it's about living as an ambassador and as a representative of the Son of God. Do you understand that in the book of John, I think it's right about John chapter 13, I might be wrong on that quote, Jesus is hanging out with some Pharisees. And he says to them that I'm the Son of God. And do you know what they want to do? They want to pick up stones and they want to stone him. And the reason they want to stone him is because he is considering himself equal with God. In Jewish custom, it's very important for you to understand this. When you come into sonship, and that's why they have a particular day when they mark either becoming a daughter or a son in Jewish custom, the father will take them out into a marketplace for everyone to see and say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He now represents me in all matters concerning business and family. In every way that I have authority, he now has authority. In every way that I sign a piece of paper, I've, been given, I've given him a signet ring to sign on my behalf. He has delegated authority to fully represent me. And when he fully represents me, it's as if I'm standing in that place right now. Yes, she just got it. Yes, the incredible truth of this revelation when you get this. When Jesus said, I'm the Son of God, what he was saying, he said, I am fully represented to reveal the Father and his will. I'm authorized and deputized. I've got all the resources of the Father. There's nothing that is withheld from me so that I can live fully in the Father's authority to represent him in all matters. And the words of God in the mouth of Jesus were as powerful as the words of God in God's mouth. Here's the truth about you. You're now the sons of God. That you fully represent with the authority, the backing and the resource of heaven, God in every single way. That you now have an incredible anointing that dwells in you from the Holy One. So that the words of God in the mouth of God are as powerful, or the words of God in your mouth are as powerful as the words of God in His mouth. I mean, it's a holly flipping Luyah, that right there. But for many of us, we've lived so far short of our sonship. Because we thought humility is denying who we are. When humility is recognizing that who we are is because of Him. I know I'm a good prophet. I know that I flow accurately. That's not arrogant. Some of you are thinking, oh, he sounds really arrogant. No, no, I'm not being arrogant. I can't do it by myself. I know that he's the one who empowers it. But I'm not going to deny who I am in order to fit in a box of false humility, which is actually pride. Because you are putting your opinion over yourself higher than God's opinion over you. Your sons. That's the revelation that Peter gets. That's what Peter gets up. On the day of Pentecost, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is the promise of the Father. That in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. 
brothers and sisters, do you realize who and whose you are? Do you realize who and whose you are? My identity, the Bible says, has been irrevocably changed. I'm a new creation. That word new is the word kainos. It means new in comparison to time and quality. It's a totally different species. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just a better version of the old me. I've not just gone over a makeover, although if you want to send me on one, that will be great. No, no, I am a brand new creation. I have the blood and the DNA of my papa flowing through my veins. I am in Christ, which means every, everything that is accessible to him is accessible to me. He's a good dad. He's not out to get you. Do you think you know, God's like kind of looking at Jesus going, right, let's see how difficult we can make it for him today. <laughs> Do you think Jesus, you know, the, you know, the Bible says that Jesus has got a minister of intercession. He's been praying for um, many, many years for you, for eternity, 24-7. He's the first guy with 24-7 worship and prayer. And he's next door to the Father praying, the Bible says, interceding. Then the Father's going to go, do you know what, Jesus? I just need a little bit of daddy time. It's been, it's been nearly 2,000 years of you praying the same prayer for that person. Would you mind just going to go sit in the corner of heaven and just give me a half an hour of silence, please? You think God's going to do that to his son? Yeah, Packer makes a statement, as the Father loves his only begotten son, so he loves all of his adopted sons. You're as loved as Jesus is. Ben Witherington says that sonship and the receiving of the Spirit are inextricably linked. And it is not in any way dependent upon law keeping. It means this whole deal of sonship is not because you're really great. So whether your past has been bad, whether you have been the worst sinner in your mind or not, Jesus has spoken a different word over you. And he has called you to be his very own. And you are now adopted because of his Holy Spirit. That's why in Hebrews he says, I am not ashamed to call you my brothers. Can you end with this and then we can pray. This is foundational. If we don't get sonship done, we'll keep having a little internal score going, well, at least I've seen five people healed this week. Tick. Well, I tried really hard to minister to the grumpy person at Sainsbury's, but it didn't really work. Bad boy. Gosh, I lost my call at work today, and I tried so hard to be good. I have to try a little bit harder. Can I give a little secret? The life source that you have comes from the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to try harder, you just get to be. In South Africa, part of my custom, when I see my dad, is to give him a fat kiss on the lips. 
That's what we do. Now, I know English people might find that a little bit weird. God bless you. Um, my culture is right. Yours is wrong. <laughs> Just joking. I'll give him a fat kiss on the lips because that's just what we do in our culture. And it's a sign that he's my dad. If any other man walked up to me and randomly kissed me on the lips, I'd headbutt him and then kick him. You know where. So um, don't try that, by the way. Don't try to come kiss me because I grew up in the Cape Flats. It's quite a violent place. It's a sign that my dad only has two things that set him apart as my dad. is the fact that he can kiss me and discipline me. The Bible says that Luke, who probably writes two of the greatest books concerning the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit. By the way, Luke's an intellectual. He was probably a doctor. He writes to give an orderly account. For, so for those of you who say, I'm just one of those intellectuals who like reading the Bible. This Holy Spirit stuff's not for me. Eh, that's wrong. All truth is meant to be experienced. The Bible says you will know the truth. That word know is the word genosco, which means come to personal experience of truth. And the experience of truth sets you free. That's why some people can know the truth about tithing intellectually, but never do it. So not, let me rephrase that time. Generous giving. Know the truth about generous giving, but in their mind, miss out on the fact and the rewards because they've never experienced it, because they've never stepped out in faith in it. Some people can know the truth that God is Father, yet never have experienced it, because they've never been exposed to Him as Father. Do you understand? You can know something intellectually, but that doesn't mean that you've experienced that truth. Besides, any truth that doesn't lead you into a deeper revelation of Jesus, all it will do is serve to make you more religious. (laughs) Anyway, so... Luke, Mr. Intellectual, writes a great story in Luke chapter 15 called The Prodigal Son. I think it should be called The Prodigal Father. The word prodigal just means lavish. And the real lavish person in that story is the father, not the son. (laughs) And this is a great picture of this kid who's smelling like pig. I mean, he is just rough as can be. Have you ever had one of those moments? where you've had to minister to someone who's been a rough sleeper and and maybe not smelling so good. I'll tell you a story in a moment of what happened to me in Madagascar. Anyway, he runs up to the father and the Bible says that the father ran to him and fell on him and kissed him. It's the same phrase that is used in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. Luke is intentionally using that phrase. You see, the Holy Spirit is the kiss of the Father. He's the one who comes and kisses you. He goes, Mwah. you're a child of God. And that, Mwah, that kiss is the identifying factor that you are the son of the living God. You are a daughter of the living God. It means that because of that kiss, you can go, Abba, which is a love word. It's not just a kind of, hey, Abba, or hey, Dad. No, no, it's for my dad, my dad's cool. He's, he's this big ex-rugby player, beard. He looks a little bit like uh, 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 Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he's really cool. And uh, he gets the best hugs in the world. My dad is cuddly like a bear, the best one ever. Right? And I have a love word for him. It's called Popsy. I know it's a bit weird. But I've been calling that calling him that since I was a kid. It's my word for him. 
if you called him Popsy, I'm probably going to get a little bit jealous and punch you. Because it's my word. This word Abba is exactly like that. It's a love word describing your encountering of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the kiss of the Father. So you can go, Abba, Papa. I was in Madagascar recently. Part of what we do as Frequency Trust is 30% of all my travels will go to developing world nations where they could never afford anyone who could come and minister in terms of aeroplane tickets or even in terms of a simple honorarium. And I just go and serve for free at my expense or at the, at the trust's expense just to bless because uh, I believe part of the prophetic is to work with those who are poor, broken, who have no mercy and justice. That's the expression of the heart of God. And that's what prophecy does, reveal the heart of God. And so I'll go and minister in some of the places. We went into this place. I mean, it was in the middle of nowhere. Madagascar is the third poorest nation in the world. We traveled for about three hours by car and then about two and a half hours by boat into the middle of nowhere. I thought to myself, if I die here... Thank God I paid up on my insurance because no one's going to find me in this place. We were in the middle of the jungle. King Julian in Madagascar, for real. Um, And it was not like the movies, I can tell you. And so there I am in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know if you've ever had this. Can I be honest for a moment? I'm in church, so I presume I should be. Um, I'm standing there and I'm teaching on the Father's love. Because I've noticed that when you talk about the kindness of God, it leads people to repentance far quicker than when we talk about the wrath or the anger of God. That's a little key for some of you. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm standing there and I was teaching a very similar theme about the Father heart of God. And there was this old man. At the end, what we did was we just hugged. We got some guys to hug guys, girls to hug girls. Just an expression of the Father's love. And uh, I'm standing there, and uh, this guy is right at the back, and as he starts walking to the front, I'm now, I'm orchestrating the ministry, right? I'm making sure that everyone's getting a hug, everyone's, I mean, there are tears and crying, people are laughing, people are encountering God, it was incredible, just absolutely incredible. And the thing I loved about this is these guys don't get to watch TBN or God TV, so they don't have a natural um, predisposed way of responding to the Holy Spirit. They, and some of them have been unreached previously, so they don't have any kind of idea of how they should respond. Yet most of them were getting drunk in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. It was incredible, right? And there's no point of reference for them. They can't copy anything. And I love it when God breaks out like that. And uh, this guy starts walking up to me, and I can smell him before he gets to me. But one of those smells that evokes the gag reflex, have you ever had one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Of course, none of you would feel like that. And I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, he's walking to me. So I'm looking for another ministry team member. <laughs> who can quickly, who can I intercept and get out of this very quickly? And I can see he's about, he's in his late 60s, maybe early 70s, looking at me. I'm thinking, oh, sweet Jesus, he's coming for me. And I can smell him long before he's getting to me. And so he walks right up to me and he says, I want a hug. And I'm like, yes, I'll give you a hug. And uh, I'm trying everything in my power to make sure that my lunch stays where it was supposed to stay. 
because this smell is overpowering. I mean, it is just unlike anything I've ever smelt in my entire life. And I mean, oh Lord Jesus, I'm hugging him. And the next minute he starts crying. But not just, you know, nice cry. It's not just a little tear. It was ugly cry. I mean, this was like baby ugly cry. Snots, tears, all over my brand new shirt. And I can feel it all over. I'm like, oh dear Lord. Why did you send me a God? Father's love, Father's love. Why, Lord? Father's love, why? And so I'm just ministering the Father's love as best as I can, and he is weeping. I mean, it was unbelievable. At the end, we had some testimony times, and he walks up, and again, I can smell him before he gets to me, and he grabs the mic and he says, I am, I think he's 67. I'm 67 years old. Sorcerer interpreter. I've never ever been hugged by anyone in my entire life. And today, I know that the Father loves me and I'm going to go and hug all of my children for the first time. This revelation changes villages in Madagascar and it will change the nation of England if we understand that the Father loves you, that He's poured out His Spirit upon you so that you can know, experience, and walk and give away the Father's love. How many of you sense the tenderness of God here right now? I want us just to stand very quickly. Just gone 12 o'clock, I want to take just five minutes very quickly. These kinds of days, the programs always go out the window, I'm sorry. But you're happy just to be led by the Spirit, aren't you? Why don't you lift up your hand right now? Your Papa loves you. There's some of you who are older brothers here, you don't even know what the sound of a good party is like anymore. And like the older brother coming in from work, what does this mean, all this fat and cough and music and partying? You're forgetting the sound of a good party. I know it's like to be an older brother because I was a professional Pharisee for 10 years of my Christian life. The others of you, every time I talk about father, all you can think about is a dominating figure. All you can think about is an abusive figure. All you can think about is someone who abandoned you. Or if not abandoned, they were there, but actually emotionally they were never there. Some of you men, you've lived under the curse of performance and trying to prove yourself. For so jolly long that you got tired and exhausted. Your papa loves you today. And he's releasing the Christ anointing upon you. He's releasing the Holy Spirit upon you right now. Not so you can go and do a whole lot of mission. But so you can know that you're a son, that you're a daughter. That you're highly valued and highly prized. That even as J.R. Packer says, that even as Christ is exalted, so you are now exalted. It sounds ludicrous 
But that's exactly what adoption means. Even as Martin Luther said that justification is not the aim of the gospel, adoption is. You've been adopted. You've got full rights, full access. You've got an open heaven over you. Just as the heavens were torn open over Jesus, so the heavens have been torn open over you. As some of you have been living in the place of control, where you've had to control the environment you're in because you've been afraid of getting hurt. Others of you have been living under control where you've not been able to be yourself because people misunderstanding you thought, well, I can't do that. I like to step out like that. Some of you have been carrying woundedness for years. The Father loves you today. Before we move on from any kind of ministry or to any kind of how to move in signs and wonders, we need to get this right. God has not called you to be an orphan. He's not called you to be a slave. He's called you to be a son. Holy Spirit, would you release sonship right now? As some of you right now, you can sense God on you. You can sense the Father's love on you. And you've never maybe experienced it or understood it. But right now he's going to intensify his love. Some of you have been carrying pain because of lies of the enemy. God's breaking that right now. You're a son. You're a daughter. Some of you have said, I'm not good enough. I'm a loser. I'm pathetic. Words that have even been spoken over some of you as a young child that play again and again in your mind. Some of you have only seen the Father as someone you bring your report card to and you either get a well done or you get a spanking because it wasn't good enough. Come Holy Spirit. We declare freedom in this place. We declare freedom in this place. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom right now. Freedom right now. Some of you have got reoccurring nightmares from your childhood because of abuse and pain. Freedom in this place right now. Some of you are afraid of God because you think that His discipline is punishment. And you're in painful situations and you're kind of going, well, this must just be God's will and so I need to endure it. Oh, he's a good father. And the Bible says that there is no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. When he disciplines, he shapes our affections. He doesn't punish us. And you've equated your situation that you're in with punishment. Father, release your people from that lie right now. There's some of you struggling with long-term illness and you said, well, this must just be God's will for my life. Oh, what good father in his right mind would want his children to suffer like that. Release your spirit right now. 
if you know that there's an area of woundedness in your life, this is not just for women, this is for many men, many leaders. We've got too many church planters out there, too many church elders and leaders who are orphans and who lead from that place. And so you have to control and you have to dominate rather than release and let people thrive. If you know there's an area of woundedness in your life that you need to deal with, I want to ask you, not so anyone else can see, but just as an act of faith, I want you to quickly come to the front right now. You know Holy Spirit is putting His finger on an area of your life. Quickly come. There are going to be many of you. Quickly come. Come. In numbers of you who have been struggling with abandonment issues, fear of abandonment, some of you have actually got a residual anger that's been in there since childhood because of divorce and because of abandonment, because of abuse. Right now, Father's going to set you free. He's going to set you free. Some of you feel like you've got a shout that you need to get out and you just don't know what to do. The Father's going to set you free today. Oh, He loves you. He loves you. Some of you need to know the joy of your Father. He's saying over you right now, Well done. Well done. You got an A plus before you even wrote the test. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I don't want anyone praying for anyone just now. Just let, just let God do what He wants to do. I know many of you want to do that. That's fine. But just in a moment we can, we can do that. But right now, just... No one praying for anyone. I don't want any ministry team right now. I just want God to do what He can do. Father, right now, as people are standing up front right now, in the name of Jesus, I release your presence right now. I break the lies of the enemy right now that have brought in a sense of abandonment, that has brought in failure. Some of you are afraid to step out in God because of failure. I break that right now in Jesus' name. I break it right now in the name of Jesus. I release your presence to begin to rest upon men and women right now. And I declare freedom right now. I break the reoccurring skin of emotional pain and strongholds that have come in. I break the lies that have said you're not good enough. I break it right now in Jesus' name. I break it right now and I declare freedom. Freedom right now. Freedom right now. Freedom right now. There is freedom for you. You've been misunderstood for so long. There have been seasons where you've had a fight against systems and fight against things. You've gone, God, I, I need breakthrough. And God says, today is a day of breakthrough for you. Today is a day of breakthrough for you. God says, you're a son. You're not a rebel. You're not misunderstood. You're a son. <laughs> you're a son. You're a son. And he loves you. He loves you. Right now, release that in Jesus' name. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son. You're a daughter. Some of you need to uh, cry a little bit before you get the joy. 
Don't worry about the weeping. Don't worry about the shouting. That's just what God's doing. Oh, you're going to experience Father's love and you're going to father many, my brother. In Jesus' name. Release right now. Release right now. I break the lie of the enemy. I break it over people right now. I break it. I break it. I break it. I say you are sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. You're his favorite. <laughs> you're his favorite. You're his favorite. I, I am too, but you're his favorite. <laughs> Well done, well done, well done, well done. Some of you are struggling with habits that have kept in bondage for so long. Jesus says to you, freedom, freedom. The well done of heaven is on you right now. In Jesus' name. In a moment we're going to break, but just before we do that, we're going to release the blessing of God upon some people because there's some joy to be had. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let's all just lift our hands all across this room. We're going to release some joy and some life in this place right now. He's just setting people free. He's setting people free. There's some of you out there who need some of this. I want to encourage you all through today, God's going to heal people without us even having to pray for them. We've seen this happen regularly. But right now, the Holy Spirit is going to release a deluge of Father's love. Um, I wonder if we could have the worship team just quickly come up. There's that song that we sing, Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us so. And there's a phrase, I don't know if if you guys know that, but there's a phrase that says, When heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Yeah, I've got a little niece who I love to bits. And when she sees me, she runs up to me and she gives me a sloppy wet kiss on my cheek. Why? Because she's unreserved. It's just, mwah, mwah, mwah. Good to see you, Uncle Julian. And she doesn't care what it looks like. She just loves on. And do you know, heaven wants to kiss you a bit like that today. Unreserved. Unreserved. The Holy Spirit wants to come and kiss you. Do you know that one of the words for worship is to kiss? And God wants to just come and kiss on you. He wants to love you. He wants to just come and go, Mwah, I love you. Mwah, you're beautiful. Mwah, you're spectacular. Mwah, you're a success. Mwah, it's not your performance that counts. Mwah, I take great delight in joining you. He just wants to love on you. And you know, the enemy has so perverted kissing in the world that we're all afraid to do that (laughs) but actually the father's kissing is pure and holy and delightful and he just wants to come and go mwah I love you mwah you're mine mwah there's no one quite like you (laughs) and he wants you to just release the gooey yummy goodness of heaven all over you He wants to smother you in His love. It's not some weak, namby-pamby, transient Hollywood love. This is the kind of love that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the kind of love that heals the sick. 
that sets the prisoner free. This is the kind of love that opens blinded eyes. This is not weak love. This is not weak love. This is the kind of love that throws stars into space and gives it a name. It's the kind of love that says, I know the number of hairs or the lack of hair on your heads. This is the kind of love that says, I will stop for the one in the crowd and I'm stopping in front of you today. And so we're going to be a little bit indulgent. I used to sing this song and think, oh, it's so self-indulgent. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me so. Until I realized that only until I'm satisfied in his love and only until then will he get the most glory for my life. So we're just going to sing this refrain and I want you to just love on Jesus. And in a moment we're going to have a break.